because what you, the unsung heroes in the wastewater industry do, matters. Every Wednesday, join me, Suzanne Chin Taylor, the Doo Doo Diva, a longtime veteran of the wastewater, transless, and civil infrastructure industry, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. I'll also be speaking with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and executives who are going to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology in treatment or trenchless, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive, or profitable, this podcast is for you. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Do Do Divas Smells Like Money podcast. Today, we're going to be visiting with Chris Parker of APT. So welcome to the show, Chris. And uh, before we started, you and I were talking about data management, and the term came up of data silos. So what do you actually mean by data silos? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Susan. I really appreciate it and the opportunity to talk about that. So when I was talking about data silos, what I was really referencing is the fact that all these government entities and contractors alike go out and collect a variety of condition assessment data, but they store it in various places. And so it's really important to, for us to be able to leverage this data that we're all collectively keeping it in, in one central place. So instead of using a work order management platform for one task and another platform for manhole inspections and a completely separate platform for say GIS data, it's really important for these entities to understand the disadvantage that they're doing to themselves by having so many different platforms to bring all this data together. Well, is there one central program that can do this all? Or are you suggesting that you make sure whatever tools you're using that they're playing nice and integrating with each other so that you can see data no matter what platform you're working in or program you're working in. Exactly. So integration is key. There's really not one size fits all platform for the variety of work order management systems people use from CityWorks to Cartograph and, and other platforms. And of course, the, the key integrator for most of these is using Esri or ArcGIS so that you're pulling in all of your mapping data. So really what you wanna make sure is that when you choose a pipeline inspection software, for instance, you wanna make sure that it offers a full bi-directional integration with Esri and other work order management platforms. Same thing goes for that. So if you're going with CityWorks, obviously you wanna make sure that it's going to integrate with that pipeline inspection software that you already have along with your mapping system. So integration is key not necessarily looking for a one-size-fits-all or do-all platform, but rather ensuring before you make those large purchasing decisions on software that they all play nicely together. Okay. Explain to me just quickly, because there may be some people that are on the line that are not technical, what does the term bi-directional mean and why is that an important feature when they're going out and looking for solutions that they can tie everything together? Sure. So bi-directional simply meaning that you want your data to flow in both directions. So if I go out and I have a, a really robust condition assessment program and I'm collecting pipeline inspection data, manhole inspection data, 
smoke testing, what other methods you might be using, you want all that data to be able to flow back into your mapping program. You want all that data to flow back into your work order management platform. But the same thing works in reverse in that if you are issuing work orders, you want to also make sure those are flowing back into the inspection platform that you're using. So bi-directional simply means that it's flowing in both directions and that both sides of that fence can be leveraged. Well, for those of uh, those municipalities or contractors that haven't done this type of integration, what kind of benefits are they going to see by creating, you know, get basically getting rid of their silos or their data islands and putting everything on one continent? How sure. is that actually going to help them manage and make decisions as well, to what should be done? Sure, I, I think uh, they'll be able to make more informed decisions. Right now, with all this data existing in different platforms, it, it's it's making a decision with only half the evidence. So they might be making rehab or, or condition assessment calls based on simply what's available, let's say in your in your uh, pipeline inspection platform, but not considering the the mapping variables or the asset variables that you can see globally from your GIS platform, or maybe even the historic data on that asset from your work order management system. So let's say, take again, CityWorks or another platform, for example, if you look at that and you see that you have a, a number of work orders issued on that one asset, that is something that needs to be considered in your rehab or repair call versus just simply looking at what that last inspection looked like. So Chris, how do you see that operators plus municipalities contractors, all the people that are involved with collecting data, using data, analyzing, and even, you know, consulting engineers that are helping cities make these decisions for rehab or replacement or expansion. How do you feel or what would you recommend to them some ways that they can extend the power of their data to make their jobs easier and more efficient and maybe even more effective? Sure. Well, I think one thing that you can do is following the guidance of, say, NASCO and utilizing the scoring algorithms and, and coding algorithms that are in a, a coding platform that is the same across the board. So in other words, a engineer from Seattle could look at Miami-Dade County data and still make the same informed decision. So having a standardized coding and scoring structure is key. That way, everybody understands what a five is. You know, five being severe and pretty much in need of immediate attention. So it's going to be very important for these entities to establish a proper coding and scoring structure. And the easiest method to that is using using something that's already been prepared like that of NASCO. Okay. I was going to ask you about, uh, about NASCO coding and the importance of that standardization. So in addition to all the, the data being, you know, put together in one bucket, how about analysis? Does this make analysis a lot easier for everybody across the board? I think so. I mean, absolutely. If you have everything in one bucket, you can really make a comprehensive decision, again, as opposed to of pulling from all these different places and maybe not having all the information available to you. So it, it definitely is going to allow you to make a, a far more comprehensive decision. Well, you yourself have a lot of background in data collection and pipeline assessment and basically all the, the software tools available. So I'd just like to throw this out as a, as a question to you, um, pearls of wisdom for cities, contractors, 
looking for a good set of tools that can integrate. And I know we mentioned a number of manufacturers before, but what are some of the key criteria, aside from that bi-directional that we mentioned, that they should be looking at for these tools, especially if they don't have all the tools, like maybe they're doing pipeline inspection, but they don't have an asset management system, or they're just starting to dabble in GIS and they're not quite sure. I know that Esri is the you know, the end all be all, they're kind of like the industry standard, but just some guidance for people that maybe low budget, mid budget, high budget that you can maybe sure. recommend. Well, yeah, and quite honestly, you could have the best tools in the marketplace. You could spend all the money possible to purchase these tools, but without really a full assessment process and a good foundation, it's really not gonna matter what you buy. So it really needs to start by putting together the proper steps, in my opinion, for your condition assessment program, which can be done without any software. And so, you know, step one would simply be to determine the project drivers and goals. Is it I and I reduction? Is it regulatory requirements, uh, SSO reduction? So it's first important to really understand what that condition assessment process is. Um, you know, risk assessment to determine asset classes, uh, analysis of those asset classes and drawings to really understand what your system is all about. So those things need to be done first before you can really move into understanding what are the best tools for you. Um, so I could recommend all kinds of software solutions. There's some very powerful platforms out there uh, from IT pipes to GraniteNet on the side of of pipeline condition assessment, uh, Cartograph, CityWorks, Lucidity are all powerful platforms as well. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, Esri, ArcGIS in the, in the center there uh, is really the, the catalyst to everything. And then there's newer platforms on the market like Sewer AI. Uh, full disclosure, it's something that I use at, at, at my company um, and it's an invaluable resource to, to really help elevate condition assessment by having essentially an extra set of eyes that can double check everything that you are doing from a inspection standpoint. Well, that wasn't on our topic list, but since you mentioned that, <laughs> I think I'd like to take that tangent and run with it. Um, where do you see AI playing a role in the industry? What, um, what do you foresee that this is gonna mean for the industry? I, you know, I, I'm in uh, probably a different school of thought than most. I, I actually did a LinkedIn post a while back and asked the question on when, when do my, uh, my followers think that CCTV trucks overall were going to cease to exist? I'm of the opinion in the next 10 to 15 years, you're probably going to see a drastic disruption in this market space. Uh, I think that's going to happen by way of utilizing new technologies that are available, such as jet cams that have 4K cameras in it. And so you'd be able to essentially jet the line, record the video in the same pass, and then use powerful platforms like Sewer AI and others to really do a deep analysis on that inspection uh, without the need of a CCTV truck, without the need of an operator. And, and I know some people don't want to hear that. But to answer your question, quite honestly, AI is the way of the future. We see it now with Tesla and other manufacturers that continue to increase uh, LIDAR and using artificial intelligence in terms of how a car can read to drive itself. That's the way our industry is heading is, is innovation. 
the sewer industry and inspection industry as a whole has always been slow to adopt technology. So I, I think in the next 10 to 15 years, you're going to see a steady and slow adoption of AI as a means to replace, you know, a human operator inside of a TV truck. So you see that the cameras would actually run robotically without human intervention to capture the data? Absolutely. I, I, there are several manufacturers working on technology right now that, that I'm not privy to discuss, but uh, there are several manufacturers working on automated technology. And when you also factor in AI and other um, you know, machine learning and things like that, it's, it's really going to be a differentiator for this industry. And the idea that the status quo of having a large box truck on the street is going to remain the, the same thing as it was in, say, the 70s and 80s. That's simply not a feasible model to continue with all the advancements in technology. Wow. Interesting times ahead. Indeed. Well, anything else you'd like to share with us as your, you know, your wisdom in regards to data and ways that, um, I guess, the people that are responsible for making these decisions, how to make their lives a little bit easier. So they're removing as much risk as possible, you know, from figuring out, okay, what should we do now? How should we prioritize? Sure. So, I mean, like everything we've talked about today, you know, the importance to mitigate those data silos is really key number one. Um, I've seen communities make rehab decisions, essentially, uh, you know, no exaggeration, throwing a dart at a map and, and picking a basin because they had no data or more importantly, they did not know how to access the data that they had. So there are plenty of tools in the marketplace to make informed decisions. It's just putting together a proper condition assessment program from, from step one through step seven and really understanding the standard operating procedure for your unique entity. Uh, but it is possible to make informed decisions really within just a few clicks of the mouse. That's great. And thank you for bringing up that importance of, you know, almost putting the cart before the horse of making sure that you have your plan before you go out and start trying to cobble together all of these expensive software tools. And it may not, it may be overkill or it may not give you what you need based on what the needs of your plan are. So Absolutely. I want to thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and your expertise with us today. And um, thanks again. And I look forward to bringing you back on the program to pick your brain on some other subjects because I know that knowledge base goes deep and wide when it comes to you. So thanks again, Chris. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me, the Do Do Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show because that would help us out a lot too. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, email guest at smellslikemoneymedia.com. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the topics you'd like to talk about, and we'll be in touch. For more information about our family of marketing, international business development, and workforce training companies dedicated to the empowerment and education of our industry, call us at 760-217-8010 or email me at raven at creativeraven.com. Until next week, a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be, you're my superheroes. <laughs>